to episode 30 of the IntelliCast podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is Brian Lamar. Hey, Adam. I haven't seen you in a while, I feel like. I didn't know what number episode it was. <laughs> but here we are. Do you know what city you're in? I do have no idea where I am right now. EMI is the sponsor of IntelliCast. You can reach us at IntelliCast at emi rs.com um you can also reach us on twitter which is emi underscore research you can reach intellicast on twitter intellicast one my personal twitter is adam jolly all one word brian what is your twitter no twitter do you want to give a plug for another social media outlet um let's see we, we have an we have an emi instagram i think we did two posts I thought about the EMI Instagram the other day. We haven't done anything since, though, have we? We should talk to our marketing person about that. Hmm. If only we could get him to work. So, (laughs) Brian, what's going on in the industry? Anything? Um, I think there's been a little bit of news. We haven't really talked about it. Let's jump into it. So, yesterday in a press release, Research Now um, spilled the beans on a new thing that they're working on. It's actually really exciting. Um, Taking what they have been doing with Research Now, what they've been doing with the SSI, putting that along with peanut labs, putting it all in one platform and having kind of a programmatic solution, which they've never had before. Right. What's your initial thoughts? I don't know if we can go too deep here until like we get more than just yeah. like a PR release, but what do you got? My initial thought is first of all, kudos to them. Yeah. Good job because, um, you know, DIY programmatic sampling has taken off in the last few years. It's nice to see research now and SSI in the midst of this big merger adopting to this that's my first thought second thought I, my money has been on the new name of the company is going to be peanut labs i think that i'm looking good right now yeah got 10 to 1 odds in vegas on <laughs> peanut labs they should just stick to that sure um but oh no but seriously um i think it's good for the industry if you the more access people have to their sample um it's nice to see them innovating we've talked about on the podcast before that we need them to innovate so this is this is helping them no, it's super for the industry. Kudos to them. This is awesome. I mean, as much as a couple of weeks ago where I uh, came down a little bit critical on the company for their stance on blockchain and just being slow to innovate um, and being slow to integrate with what the rest of the sample industry is doing and trying to get broader um, for them to collaborate and make some kind of a platform and have the programmatic sampling along with the appending that's going to go through with a yeah. lot of that. Um, it. It seems to me at the same time. So that's my kudos. It's awesome. I'm, I'm super happy to have an, a great, gigantic company doing things that are good for not just them, but it's going to be great for the industry. Um, it does seem that a lot of the appending talk and what they're doing with platforms and with programmatic sampling is a lot like saying blockchain without saying blockchain. <laughs> or that like having like the infrastructure that blockchain has, yeah. uh, which they were so adamant about not having, but with like the yeah. appending does that. But yeah. I love the innovation that they're showing here. Absolutely. Big fan. Um, we have a lot of friends and colleagues that have worked there, work there now. So I'm happy for them as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else going on in the industry? Right now it's kind of like conference season, right? Conference season and um, three conferences here in Cincinnati. We, we just went to the Insights Association, had a regional meeting here last week. It was great right. from what I hear. You and I went to a happy hour. Didn't go to the conference. We just enjoyed a free drink. Um, and then next week um, is a, an AMA event. Um, here in Cincinnati, and then Brandemonium is in Cincinnati in a couple weeks. So it's kind of a weird time. I think this we should just get used to this in Cincinnati. You have a bunch of local, smaller, but kind of cool conferences. Yeah, yeah this week I know that um, I just missed a wire event. They restarted the Boston um, 
I guess chapter yeah. of Wire, which apparently was big. They had a big turnout for. Oh, cool. Um, there was a joint MRA or joint insights. It's almost an MRA. Joint insights association. Uh, I was on Tuesday and Wednesday in New York with the Philadelphia, the New England, and the New York chapters, um, which I'm sure had probably 400 people at. Wow. Um, I just love it. We've talked about this before, and I talk about it with people in the industry before. A lot of these like regional type conferences are you get so much more out of. Absolutely. You know, you have like a, and it's similar to what we're doing in market research, right? With like you see the spike in like communities and like this like more craft type research. Yeah. Again, that's my slogan. I'm trying to push through craft research. Uh, it's just like when you have somebody with some people with some commonalities, right? And they can be a little bit more passionate. They have they're they're learning together and there's some kind of sense of community. And it's just great. And you don't get that I think at a lot of big conferences. Yep. So maybe this is maybe September, October is like regional conference period month. For sure. Plus like what else are you gonna do? Like your kids are away now. They're back in school. You just sit around and watch the leaves change, rain, all that. Right. What else is there to do? I'm with you. Uh, we have a new segment to the podcast, and we'll get to it when we get our guests. Prince? But, yeah. Uh, just want to make the, you, the everyone aware. And, and maybe I'm hoping that this will, like, encourage people to come on to the podcast, like, encourage more guests. But starting this week, and you'll hear it with our first guest today, who is Andrew McKinney of Lucid, is uh, – What's your print story? <laughs> we were thinking about it. This is the 30th podcast that we've had. We've mentioned prints in at least eight to nine of our podcast. And uh, prints came up again today. I don't, I mean, it's a long journey to get there, but we always find our way back. Um, but everyone has some kind of print story, right? Yeah. Do you want to give a print story right now? You um, gave one this morning. I mean, it's easy. How do you watch Purple Rain? Um, well, you can have more than one print story. I'll, I might just how about just do a Prince Ramble. Yeah. Um, so there's a big debate in the office of whether Purple Rain is one of the greatest uh, musicals or soundtracks of all time. I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time. So we play Purple Rain all the time. I think it's an amazing movie. Um, none of the younger people have seen the movie. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Adam, but this morning I sent a meeting invite to nearly everybody in the company. Next month we are watching <laughs> Purple Rain at lunchtime. Really? Yeah. And because I'm tired of like half the there's company some, hasn't even seen the movie. There's some parts to censor though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's only day. If it's Friday, you can show it. Yeah, it's a Friday. Okay. And yeah, yeah for Fridays we can do it. There's definitely some troubling parts of the movie. Yeah, problematic. Sure. I mean, yeah. So the topics are certainly not. It's not a PG movie. It's for mature audiences, but yeah. um, I think that the performances of that movie are the most amazing. Like Purple Rain, I, I think go, should go down as maybe the greatest performance in any movie. That's yeah. probably a bold statement. But well, let's I'm do really this. Let's do it right now. Sound the alarm. We're going to do an emergency Mount Rushmore, <laughs> and we're going to do top four. I'll do my first one. Give you a little bit okay. to think about one. Top four musical movies. Oh, we just talked about this all day. You ready? Yesterday. I'm ready. All right, you ready? All right. Number one for me, uh, Hard Day's Night, Beatles. Oh, that's a good one. Didn't see that yeah. one coming. Yeah. I, well, I, you, you know this. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but until like five years ago, I hated the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. You're a recent kind of Beatles. Yeah, I was like, I just don't get it. Like, everybody's like, it's so innovative. Listen to this, listen to this. I'm like, yeah. nah, I, I mean, I, I went to college. Sure, yeah. I get it. The later stuff after they kind of got a little weird is probably a little better for a non-passionate yeah. Beatles person. Yeah, that's good. What do you got? I'm going to go with more mainstream with Grease. 
Uh, and I'm going to add in the word. Two. Grease 2, amazing soundtrack. Grease 2 Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> Grease 2 Electric Boogaloo, absolutely. <laughs> Gre- yeah. I'm not a big, you know me, I'm not a huge musical person, and I grow yeah. in the office when we play them, but Grease is outstanding. Um, musical movies. I'm going to, number two is going to be Sound of Music. It is my wife's favorite movie. And so many times I'm like, this is the worst. But then I always get drawn in with like the World War II stuff. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. And I like that. That's my favorite song. Okay. It's weird. What do you got? Number My next two one is you. another controversial. Yeah. Um, well, this isn't my number two. Obviously, everyone's favorite is Purple Rain. Yeah. Um, this We're just going to assume. You just give three. I'll right. give three. We'll assume Purple Rain's on Oh, there. yeah. Okay. The, I'm going to go with The Wiz. <laughs> oh, that was mine. That was the one I was thinking of when I said, let's do this. <laughs> it was The Wiz. Yeah. And I just always remember Michael Jackson's makeup being yes. super weird and frightening to me. The, the movie's okay, but the yeah. music, you have a young Michael Jackson. You have Diana Ross. You have Nipsey Russell. Really good music. I played some in The Office yesterday. Mary Draper does not like the movie The Wiz, and that is my biggest point of contention, maybe in the entire office. I need to unfriend her. Should she still work here? Until she comes around to The Wiz being somewhere in the top ten. <laughs> I don't need top four. I don't need to be on Mount Rushmore. But The Wiz is amazing music. My, young Michael Jackson. This is before Off the Wall came out. Before it, he was Michael Jackson, the biggest pop star in the history of the world. He was he was doing a crazy little low-budget um, Broadway film um, off the Wizard of Oz. It was probably kind of crazy, but awesome. Um, okay. Not bad. <laughs> um, I will now go with A Star is Born. Chris Christopherson, Barbara Streisand. Huh. You really went old school on yours. I love Chris Christopherson. What's your favorite cartoon movie soundtrack? Because I know you have two young children. Yeah. You probably listen to a lot of that. We do listen to a lot of it. It was weird. The other day I was on a pl- flight. Um, I was on a flight with a coworker and I was, I was like pulling up, getting ready to listen to music, not talking with a coworker as much as I can. Um, and I was just like, here's like my recent plays. I've got Disney Junior and then <laughs> Travis Scott, Sicko World. Like that's where I'm at in life right now. But my favorite, um, uh, favorite kids movie, Frozen's pretty good, man. What is Frozen? Frozen's pretty good. Yeah. Like it's, it's legit. It hits all the notes. <laughs> Uh, Little Mermaid's good. <laughs> Lion King's trash. Aladdin's trash. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is trash. But mm, Snow White's good. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm pretty impressed because we didn't discuss this topic yeah. at all. We, yeah. Um, little known fact, we don't do a lot of show prep. Um, what? <laughs> and you could just rattle off all your favorite and least favorite, favorite kids movie soundtracks. Favorite kids musicals, yeah. I'm impressed. Um, what's next for you? This is your last one, number three, because Purple Rain's full. Oh, I was going to go Rocky. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which one, though? Like, they're, they're like as an Rocky. ensemble? Well, uh, so you're leaving out Living in America by James Brown. Yeah, you kind of need to. Yeah. You kind of need to combine them all a little bit. Yeah. Maybe in my head I am. Yeah. Um, Great mon- this is the era of musical montage. Like you don't you don't do musical montages anymore. Like when are you going to work out and chase a chicken and listen to some music, some motivational music, or yeah. run on a beach and play with Apollo Creed? That's not bad. I'm gonna for my last one. I'm gonna go. Are we doing? Hold on, we're doing musicals, not movie soundtracks, right? Okay. No, you're switched to movie blend. soundtracks. I'll go back to movie soundtracks. Okay. And I'll go with Batman Forever. <laughs> because 
It has Kiss from a Rose by Seal, and I believe Gotham City by R. Kelly. <laughs> there's, there's no arguing your list. Ah, oh, man, Gotham City. I, I wish that R. Kelly would write a song about my city, the way that he wrote about Gotham City, which is the mythical city that he doesn't ever live in. Right. I'm impressed. Not Space Jam. Yeah. I can just go on movies like <laughs> movies that people think have good music that don't. Yeah. Above the Rim. Huh. It's good music. What yeah. other ones do we have? Brian was involved in this conversation. Producer Brian was. I don't remember what else we talked about. Straight Outta Compton. That's recently. That's a good yep. soundtrack, right? Yep. Do you remember when soundtracks were like a thing? Like people yeah. would go out and buy the soundtrack to thing? Yeah. You'd listen to the entire soundtrack from start to finish. Like that's what we used Like to the do. Bodyguard soundtrack sold like oh, that was $30 million, dollar, like 30 million copies. We may have right? Googled a couple of all-time soundtrack lists and Bodyguard was like the consensus number one. Yeah. Um, all right. Purple okay. Ring was nowhere on the list, so they were all garbage lists. Uh, Yentl. That was the, something I just, I was trying to look up the name just to make sure I didn't mess something up. Um, but I, musical wise, I would, I would have stayed with the sound of music. If I would have stayed with musicals on the other one, I would have gone with like, uh, Sound Night Fever. Ooh, that's, is that a musical? Yeah, I would say that's a musical because of the Bee Gees, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not really in the movie though. Yeah. Uh, Rant, which is just a play of a movie. Les Mis. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Hey, good soundtrack. All right, I digress. This week, we have, uh, oh, Rhinestone. That was the name of the movie, the Dolly Parton. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of that. That earlier. was actually good. Uh, this week, our guest is Andrew McKinney of Lucid, and it's a different type of, of, of pitch this week. So normally, when we have somebody on from a panel company, we have somebody on from anywhere market research. It's something like EVP Plus, and it's like people can come on and they can pitch a little bit and tell like where they're going. And Andrew is a different type of guest for us. Um, and the major reason why I reached out is just because he's a different type of person. And he's a different type of, um, he's just a different spirit on in market research. And if you ever have the pleasure to meet Andrew in person at a conference, like you, he just grabs you and you feel like engaged and on LinkedIn and on other social media, um, the guy is not afraid to be somebody and not afraid to be himself and put something out there, be empathetic. I think a lot of times in sales, and I've written about this in the past, like you have to be vanilla because you have to match whatever we want. And I think in, in business in general, um, I'm now, I'm not the person like that gets on LinkedIn and is like sharing like Facebook type post, yeah. but somebody that can put themselves out there and be a real person. It's kind of, it's kind of different. And I think that when you see what Andrew's doing and then you see the stuff that like Jam's doing with the market research podcast and things that he's done personally yeah. outside. And I think you get this a little bit from like Kristen Locke as well, right? Yeah. Like a little bit of personal empathy, vulnerability, and then you just like so much you, you trust and you feel something from somebody. Yeah. And I get that even like with conversations, like you met, who mentioned Patrick Comer a lot yeah. in this podcast. I think I feel like I got that in the Jam podcast. Yeah. I did a couple like, when you see a little bit of vulnerability with somebody and you feel a little bit who somebody is, like it completely just like rocks your world and it comes off as so different, but then like you have a buy-in and you want to root for somebody and they root for you. Um, I don't know. It's just a different feeling. And so this one is, this is a longer interview. It's about 30 minutes, but it's so much just like conversation of like a real person. And if we weren't in market research, if this wasn't a market research podcast, I think it would still play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump right into the interview with Andrew McKinney of Lucid. Joining us now is Andrew McKinney of Lucid. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. Uh, really happy to be here. Thank, thank you both for having me. Well, we usually get started whenever we do these interviews is kind of giving somebody giving us their background. How did they get into market research? Because it's always like an interesting story, like these origin stories. Um, so how did you get into market researcher? 
Yeah, so um, I was basically training for the NFL. Um, I just gotten done uh, at SMU, one of the uh, worst football programs at the time in the nation. I think, if not the worst, and uh, we had been beaten. I think we went one and eleven that year. Uh, so I was on scholarship, played running back my senior year under June Jones, which was. The worst and best experience of my life. Uh, I was wondering if that was June Jones years, yeah. Yeah, so I was a senior with uh, June Jones, and uh, and basically he came in and was just like, wow, this is like horrible. You guys have really, really had a tough time and a tough go, and you know, I'm going to try to help you guys you know, have a different experience with football. And so um, it was really cool to kind of finish, uh, a really terrible, uh, collegiate career on some sort of a high note where I felt like mentored. And I still talk to June today. He's one of my mentors, amazing, really? amazing person, man. It's probably the best thing I know about football is my high school coaches and then, and uh, some of my college coaches. And then also, uh, you know, ha- having the ability to communicate with them is like priceless to me. So long story short, I actually, um, transitioned from football and I was training for the NFL with Thomas Morstead from the Saints and this guy named Rich Cody um, and uh, ran into this tall gentleman, 6'5", uh, beautiful wife and three kids. And uh, I was a bartender. So I was just kind of on the out. Like I had just kind of not made it basically for the NFL. Um, so so at that point, I'd given up. I, I got a call from this this UFL um uh, this UFL team that was like a exploratory and I felt like sub NFL brand. Yeah. I made the team for like one week and they kicked me off because the San Francisco 49ers um, basically took someone that had been in the NFL for two years and hired them. So um, wow. I'd exhausted all my funds. We're about to get married. My wife was just like really annoyed that I just wasted seemingly six months training for nothing. And uh, honestly, it was just time to kind of get a job. And so I was bartending at this place called Village Burger Bar in Dallas. It's a great place. You should take clients there. Um, and Ryan Roth, for anyone that's been in market research very long, this like Superman looking figure walks through the door. And I just said, uh, hey, man, um, you look successful. That's exactly what I told him. I was like, you look, you look, you look, uh, you look like you know what's happening in life. And so I said, do you make uh, good money? He just like laughed at me. He was like, I made great money. I was like, do you like your company? He's like, I love my company because he's working for research now at the time. And I said, oh, cool. Are you hiring? And he was like, what's your name? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, yeah. Ryan Roth was like my first cold call. And uh, I ended up getting the job at research now. And uh, that's, how I, that's how I got in the industry. I had no clue what market research was, of course. <laughs> It's kind of like universal story that everybody has is like, I had no idea. I had no anticipation to get into market research and here I am. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And like Ryan, Ryan literally was so gracious as he is. I mean, if you know him right. uh, between research now and Qualtrics, he was like, I like interrupted him. was like, Hey man, that, that, that time we talked like two minutes ago and I didn't know who you were. Uh, I still need your contact information. And he kind of smiled real big and was like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to need to get that. Right. And so, right. uh, yeah, that was it. That was my intro. I interviewed with Ronnie Descupta. Um, oh, yeah. For anyone in the industry, is you know, is an amazing person and leader of our industry, and they gave me a they gave me a job there. So, wow, that's wild. So, 
we talked about this beforehand, but I, I wanted to say so. A lot of times we have people from sample companies come on, and the thing that why I reached out to you, why I wanted you to come on the podcast, is I just feel like you're very unique in kind of your vision of the industry and how you use social media and, and, and really like how you sell yourself, right? Mm. Um, it means a lot to me to somebody because I think in sales, and I actually wrote a blog about this, and, and you were somebody that I thought about at the time is that so many times we are like vanilla as any kind of salesperson in any type of industry, right? Because you've got to adapt to whatever type of client that you have. Like you're a different person for your noon call than you would at four o'clock. And the thing that's always been like a breath of fresh air for me is just like some of the things that you share, like the thought leadership that you have. And then sometimes it's inspirational. Sometimes it's like easy to like be self-critical of yourself. And it's always been open to me. And first of all, thank you for that. But I wanted to talk to you and just kind of get your perception like, when did you decide to do this? Like, when did you decide to be like a totally different type and be like so transparent? Ooh, um, that's a lot. Thank you so much for saying the kind words. And I actually did uh, read your article. I think it was like the art of being the vanilla salesperson. Yeah. 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 So that, that to me, um, I think you really captured the essence of what I hope to be, which is like, just authentic and maybe like maybe just be a little bit more honest about the emotive side of our humanity. And what I mean by that is like, you know, everyone can like smile and you know, they're happy and everyone puts on a brave face, but like, man, life is super messy and uh, I've been super humbled in my life in so many ways. Um, I've walked through depression. I have, um, just been through some hard times, you know, I've been through some really good times, you know, I've been through some yeah. really like the polarity of the ups and downs. And it's just made me like, I feel like if you, if you suffer or if you go through something that's hard or if something happens, it, it creates a little bit of margin for empathy and for like sure. love and for, um, you to be able to understand people better. And so I think what you're kind of getting at is like, I just have a lot of passions, man. Like I love music. I was a, a musician for 15 years. Um, I sing, I write music. I uh, performed in Europe and Mexico and all over the U S and then, you know, and, and, uh, Belgium. And I did that. That was like the first half of like my life was a musician and, uh, coming into our industry and just meeting like so many amazing people. I just want people to be real with me like I'm real with them. And so the more I met these like industry leaders that we look up to, you know, um, your, your Comers, your, your Andy Ellis's of my, you know, of my company, your Brett's, your Simon Groner's, uh, Joey Z, you know, these people that Joe Z, these people that are in our company now at Lucid. Well, I had that same experience meeting these people at, you know, uh, Kurt Napton was a huge, yeah. huge influence on my life, man. Uh, Ronnie Descupta, uh, Michael Shivers from Research Now, um, uh, Jason Shepard from Research Now, Melanie Courtright. All these people yeah. had such a heavy impact on me because they were successful in what they were doing, but they were authentic to me personally in, in, in my interaction with them. Dirk Hobgood, uh, you know, uh, Research Now during his time there, you know, mentored me. These people that have, I got to see them in their real life, and right. it just gave me boldness to be authentic, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I, I think that's great. And I think 
that is something like being a real person and using empathy because empathy isn't really a sales tool, but at the same time, it's like the best way to relate to somebody and understand what somebody's objectives are, expectations, and you kind of feel like you're in it with them, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like a way. I feel like just emotion and like um, like as it as it relates to cells, like Simon Sinek. Right. Um, Molly, Molly, I think her name is Molly McCain or Molly Kane, uh, the author of Quiet. Like yeah. basically, I started getting into like um, strength finders from the Gallup poll. So like, yeah. everyone has thirty four strengths, and then I did like sixteen personalities, like the Myers Briggs, um, and I started studying that the complexity of like how everyone is so unique, and then I started blending that all in with the fact that like I just really I I care a lot about these people like. We have so many amazing intellectuals in the market research industry. We have so many amazing people, but like, I just like, I want to connect with them beyond just selling sample for a particular price on a particular day or selling them what I sell, which is like, you know, for Lucid, which is like API integrations. That's, that's what I do um, at Lucid functionally. And so like I go out and meet people and like say, Hey, would you like to integrate with us? And this is what we have. You know, we have these, these people, these, these millions of people in our ecosystem that, that are, you know, through other panels that we're connected to, would you like to have access to them? And then they'll go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or they'll, yeah. Or they'll say, yeah, I I would like to, uh, I would like to, I would like to integrate with your APIs, Andrew. And I would say, well, they're not mine. They're lucids, but I have access to them. And then after, like after that's done, then like I, it's really important to me to know like your dog's name and your wife and your kids and like what makes you cry. <laughs> like, right. I just, I just go like the mo- the moment like I connect with someone, I just like as soon as business is out of the way, I just try to go like as deep as I can. It kind of freaks people out, but it's kind of who I am. So. Probably at first, yeah. Um, (laughs) No, we talk about that a lot here. Like, so we have our like our value words and like the four things that we always look at. And passion's always been a big one. And I've always tried to be like a champion of passion, both internally Mm -hmm. and externally, because I think it's easy to be it internally sometimes. It's easy to be externally, kind of depending on your role. But um, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear somebody else say that. So um, again, I appreciate all that, and I I find myself looking forward to some of the things that you're going to share that you're going to write. So I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, man. Keep keep on doing what you're doing and the, and the things that you know, I got to go through some of your like publications and like your, your your published articles that you wrote on LinkedIn. And man, to me, for someone like having someone that knows what it's like. So I've been in market research for like seven years, and the stories and the people and like you know, you and I know some of the same people. Like yeah. you know, the Steve Billingsleys of the world. Like I, yeah. we know the same kind of people, and it, it gives so much context. And so, um, for me, it was like, I felt like when I was listening to your podcast, I listened to a couple episodes with you and Brian, um, this last two weeks and it was like, man, like this is like ESPN for like market research. <laughs> and it, what's funny is like when I listen to ESPN, I feel really alienated because I can't really relate to those people. These, these people that make, you know, $50 million and right. they spend it on whatever, but I can relate to, you know, Adam Jolly saying, um, man, this is my experience, you know, for the last 10 years at EMI, um, I'm a better person for it. And oh, by the way, I'm going to be like fiercely honest moving forward. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I'm with you. like, yeah, I was like that. That's awesome. So, 
So talk to me a little bit about like where you're at at Lucent now. So you mentioned, you know, you're going in, you're trying to integrate with people. Um, what's your day to day like? Like, tell me a little bit what you're doing. Yeah. So I just, um, I'm, I work on, uh, the team at Lucid. It's called the platforms team. Yeah. And so I work with like Simon Groner, uh, and Jay Popovich, which if you know, Jay Popovich and Simon, it's like the fact that I get to like work under them and like support their team is like kind of funny. It's just like, wow, <laughs> lotto. And, uh, right. and, and basically what we do is like, we just go out there, like I said, and find like platforms or any sort of like, um, analytics platform or, you know, anything that like could use a widget or could use some sort of functionality that has access to programmatic sample. And then, and and just kind of, uh, see if they're interested in engaging with some of our engineers at Lucid, um, to, to build something that gives them access to uh, some automation and, you know, the economies of a marketplace. Now that's, that's great. So, so Lucid's always evolving, right? You guys have always been not just like frontiers, like frontiers, but like trailblazers through a lot of things. So, so what's next? I mean, you don't have to share everything, but like, what's yeah. next? What do you, what are you guys moving for? Um. Well, you know, I guess I should have said this at like the beginning of it, but like, I don't, I definitely am not like a, a speaker on behalf of the yeah. company in some ways, in, in a branding way, I am because like I work there. Um. But I, I think that like you know, between like Comer and Brett and um, Andy Ellis and the executives and, and Josie and Simon Groner, all these people, yeah. um, what what they keep on telling me, like as far as where Lucid is going is like just to try to try to keep on uh, kind of being on the pulse of where where technology is going and like really studying um you know, how the ecosystem is changing, right? So right. If, you, if you think about Amazon, right, in the marketplace, you got buyers on one side and you got sellers on the other side, right? Well, where is Amazon going? It's like you have to like kind of pay attention to what's happening in the in the, the pipes, if you will, or right. the transactions. Like it's kind of like I think that they get really in the nuance of that. And so um, I know that's like really ambiguous, but it's true. It's like, it's real tactical. It's like, they're just, they're like voracious learners. And so I don't know where they're going, but I'm happy to be on that same train. <laughs> like, it's like, right. I feel really, I feel really fortunate um, to, to, to like, just like if I'm on like a, like a conference call or, or if I'm on, like, you know, just, there's so many amazing people um, at lucid, it's just like, I feel lucky to kind of like listen in and for them to tell us like, Hey, this is where, you know, we, we might be going the next month. This right. is where we could see ourselves going the next you know year. And, and I, I, I buy in, I'm just like, Oh, that's awesome. That's, I trust you, you know? Right. That's great. Brian, want to tell us everybody you get anything? I have one quick question. Um, Andrew, great stuff though, by the way, is, um, keep up all that motivational stuff in LinkedIn. It's kind of a refreshing in our industry when most people are just kind of hard selling and pout-touting themselves. I love it too, by the way. Um, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Recent news coming out. I'm not sure if you want to talk about it, but like research down SSI just announced they're going to be allowing their sample to be purchased programmatically. I know you used to work there. You just mentioned that and you're currently working at Lucid, but I was a couple things. I was listening to the Jamin Brazil podcast with Patrick Comer. Um, mm-hmm. who was great on there. And Jamin said, Hey, it sounds like you guys won this whole battle. I mean, 
loose, like Adam said, you've kind of been, loose has been a disruptor and they kind of started this with routing and programmatic sample and a sample conference, which is very disruptive. But now I feel like the industry has really adopted kind of what you're doing. You're building platforms and connecting all these partners with each other. Um, just kind of your thoughts on that, that the industry has evolved so much, even since you've been in the industry, you're relatively new. I just think it's really interesting. I was just talking to uh, some newer members on our team about that. Um, and talking about Lucid was one of the things we were talking about and how it's evolved over time. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, just knowing, like, I've known Patrick Comer for a couple of years uh, in the sense of, like, a couple of private conversations and just really trying to learn from, like, the way his mind works a little bit in the sense of, like, how he makes decisions, how he speaks, uh, you know, Brett and how Brett and Comer both kind of like uh, speak about the industry to the industry and then also just how they sell the concept of what Lucid is. And so um, to me personally, I'm, I'm humbled to know the research. Like that's my DNA, right? I came in the industry for five years, legitimately learning under your Kurt Naftins and your, your, your Jason Shepherds and your Melanie Courtwrights, these people that gave me their time Um personally like actually like sat in a room and said like hey andrew uh man what you said was really stupid or you know like michael shivers michael shivers spent like five years just basically saying like hey man just listen more than you talk and you're gonna do okay and then every time i wouldn't do that he would say you know he'd say hey you're doing it again (laughs) radical candor yeah (laughs) i literally was schooled by research now on how to interact with the ecosystem of market research and so being you know leaving research now was was was, uh, really hard for me because i I did some other things like i went went on my own i'm just trying to give some ethos of like my answer basically but i went out and did my own thing i left the business and like all the executives like hey Okay, that sounds okay, but if you ever need to come back, just let us know. <laughs> like, right. I think they were kind of like, "Why are you leaving a good thing?" You know, research now. Um, and so, coming back after that experience where I totally failed at running my own business, I, Lucid kind of uh, had an opportunity uh, through 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 coming to Lucid and then learning what had happened since I left. Right. So, right. so programmatic was new to me. Um, you know. Uh, programmatic sample is new to me, the whole concept of an ecosystem and, uh, you know, basically, uh, suppliers and buyers and, and, and this whole thing. So what you're telling me about research now, I actually haven't, um, heard or read that publication, but anything that's programmatic in our industry, anything that's automated, um, anything really that's progressive to the nature of market research, to me, it just builds a healthier ecosystem. So like, the more the better. I, right. I don't know really the approach research now you're saying that they're they're going to be taking or what was in the press release. I should probably read up on that. Um, but what I do know is like the ecosystem of market research as it relates to sample, as it relates to digital advertising, as it relates to uh, automation, there's so much room for everyone. And so it's, 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 it's the ecosystem. Like Amazon is only as good as how many people are, are interacting in the system right the marketplace like this whole right. place of like where we can where, where, where we get sample from so for me at first hearing that it's like great that's awesome because we need them we need more like the more the better that that's how i look at it and, and and i hope that uh you know patrick and brett and your andy ellis is out there i hope that 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 would be the answer that they would have but i can only speak for my just 
quick off the draw response to like what you just said. And, and that's, that's really my authentic answer. So. I love it. Thank you so much, Andrew. We're going to shift now into more like the fun type of stuff. We'll go into our four. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, so let's start off playlist. What are the last three songs you've listened to? Okay. So the last three songs I listened to that I could tell you what they were, were, uh, bootstraps, uh, replica. I don't know if you're familiar with bootstrap. No. Okay. <laughs> it's, really good, it's a really good song. Like oh, been oh. By the way, Drew Newton was like one of my really good pals from way back. Uh, I think he's still research now. He's the one that introduced me to bootstraps. So. All right. We'll get it. It's very obscure, but I'm a musician and I, I kind of, I can go in the weeds. I listened to Post Malone. Um, right. Post Malone. What was the song I listened to? Uh, Better Now yeah, by Post Malone. And, um, and then the other one was a, a song called Time by David Ramirez. And so those are the three that I could r- recite to you. And I also just heard David Gray uh, on the radio on the way over here and listen to it. So if you're familiar with that British dude. Um, All in on David Gray. Yeah. I have a question yeah, for both yeah. of you. Is Post Malone, is he a rapper or a singer? Both. I don't even know. Yeah, he's a, I don't hardly listen to a rapper. That, I don't think he raps. I would say that... <laughs> <laughs> He's the best non-rapper. Yeah, rapper there is. Okay, That's I love all. the thought of like Brian just kind of dissecting Post Malone like that. <laughs> that does my heart well right now. Um, yeah, so I think I think Post Malone to me is someone that I think he grew up in Grapevine, Texas. He went out to L.A. and then put some you know stuff on his voice, and he got really famous. But I think. I think he's really, truly someone that's experienced a lot of pain and like, he's just honest, man. He talks about it. Like yeah. you listen to his lyrics. They're really like sad. They're super dark and depressing. And you know, that song better now is kind of about like, basically he was doing really bad. He got really famous and then his girlfriend kind of broke his heart. And so, um, I love the beats too, you know, but, um, yeah, Post Malone's someone that definitely, I wouldn't call him a rapper. That's right. That's, I think that, I think that that's a very that's a very astute observation, Brian. See, I've been on Post Malone since he came to BET Awards, performed with like a Stone Cold Steve Austin vest, just the vest, no undershirt. I'm mm-hmm. like, get out there, buddy. That's good, dude. Post Malone's awesome, man. I, and I'm, it makes me happy, Adam, that you know Post Malone, yeah. and also that Brian knows Post Malone enough. To basically be like, no, he's not around. <laughs> We're kind of forced to be somewhat hip in this office because we have both Adam, who's obviously really into music and plays music a lot and has done it for a long time and is into music much more so than I am. We have a lot of young people that play a lot of the younger music and talk about it a lot. We talk about music almost all day. Yeah. Oh, wow. That makes there me so a- happy because, like, man, I, I love music. That's like, that's my ethos. That's where I came from is like music for years and years and years. And so, so like Adam, like who do you play music? Who do you listen to? Uh, yeah, I play a lot of music. I I'm in a kind of a weird like country stage right now, like outlaw country stage. So I'm <laughs> like, like Sturgill Tyler Simpson. Ch- yes, Sturgill okay. Simpson. It's weird. Like Sturgill Simpson went to high school, grew up in Kentucky, um, Irvine, Kentucky. Went to Woodford County High School. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Childress, another Kentucky, Kentucky guy. Yeah. Um, I was really into Stapleton. I remember yeah. Ooh, seeing man. Stapleton when I was in college, when he was performing as this little like 
horrible country bar in Lexington before he left for Nashville. And, um, yeah, those three are like the big, like Kentucky, we made it outlaw country type. And then like, you know, like, a J- Jason Isbell, those type of things. Yeah. Man, Chris Stapleton, um, Sergio Simpson, you know, uh, Ryan Bingham. You know, yeah. Ryan Bingham. Cody Jinks, that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, any of those things, like, I can only go for so long, you know, because, like, I grew sure. up on country. I'm from Decatur, Tech. I'm from Decatur, Texas. I mean, like, that's literally, that's my, that's, like, my Wise County, Texas is, like, yeah. you know, Stony LaRue, like, Wade Bowen, my friend, you know, uh, James Morrison, like, all of these yeah. people, they play, like, in Denton, they play in Dallas, they play in Austin, you know, so sure. um, I'm around it, but, but, but really... I think that, uh, man, Chris Stapleton kind of rocked me. I mean, his voice really yeah. just kind of affected me. I'm like, man, that that's a gift, you know? I'm with you, man. Hey, we'll talk about him a little bit more off there. I'll introduce you to Steel Drivers, and it'll <laughs> blow your mind. Yes, dude. They're please. like a – they like won Grammy for like Appalachian music, but they only had like a lead singer for like two albums, and it was Chris Stapleton. It's unbelievable. Oh, that makes sense. That makes um, sense. Next B is Pages. So um, – what books have you read that have inspired you? Business book, fiction, whatever. Ooh, okay. Um, I would say the book that probably rocked me pretty good was this book called uh, Customer for Life. I'll just go, I'll go like market research application sure. book. Um, and it was by Carl Sewell from Sewell Motors in Dallas. If you've ever heard of Sewell Motors, it's kind of a Southern brand. But um, basically that book kind of, really like changed the way that I interacted with a situation. Yeah. Like basically the, I guess the ethos of it or the, the summary of, of the book was like, Hey, you know, when a person buys a car, they just spent like $40,000, right? If okay. you give them an experience that they'll remember, like the essence of the experience was like positive then you can basically have six cars that you can sell in a life to someone. And so uh, our old quarterback, Jared Romo uh, from SMU was a quarterback from California. He runs uh, Sewell Motors there like in Dallas and he runs um, the HR part of it and the whole company. And they, someone told me about the book and the, and it really kind of like kind of added a a lot of value to um, just the, just how important every interaction is because that person can go to anyone else at any time. And it's like the fragility of the relationship. It's like you can lose someone two seconds just by being rude one time or not being on it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm with you. That's good. So let's go to perform. What is something that people don't know about you? Which like your hidden talent. Uh, I didn't know you played football. So that was, yeah, I think people are shocked to know that I played running back in, in college. I think they're that really kind of sets them off. Like they're they're okay with me playing tackle in their minds, you know, or like a center, or but they kind of like trip out when when they're like, "You played receiver and running back, like what?" And so that's that's something that's like kind of a I would say a hidden talent. Um, and then music, you know, like music's basically like all I do. Uh, you know, outside of work and, and, and listening, I mean, they're listening to music, playing music or listening to a podcast. But I mean, honestly, music's a big part of like the non-work life. So, man. So last one, we go into our Mount Rushmore, which is people. 
And you sent this in and you sent over a couple, but I was like, yes, this is it. We've been needing to talk about this. So we have the top four lead singers of bands. So let's start with you, Andrew. What are your four? Okay. So, okay. First of all, I'm going to absolutely, in the worst millennial way, offend so many people. So I'm (laughs) sorry for everyone that's hearing this. I'm sorry. So um I, I i think uh i might not even be able to give you four i might be able to give you like a mount rush not even like the whole rush more but okay. i would say that uh brandon from incubus is like yeah. my favorite singer in the world okay. probably yeah. uh i would say uh the the two people together as one like co-mount rushmore like one part of it would be the civil wars lead singers um, i don't even remember their yeah. names uh, joy, joy, and something. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, because I don't even know it's because Joy is performing in Lexington next weekend. That's why I was like, hey, maybe I should go. Yeah, you should go if she's seen. And then um, uh, the other two people, as far as just like the purity of of the uh, of the voice, is have you heard of Shane and Shane? No. Ooh. Yeah. So no. Shane and Shane's kind of like more on the the religious spiritual side, but their their voice like that in general like i can't really distinguish between the really? two but whatever that is is like to me one of the most powerful things i've heard um and then the last lead i'm, I'm really i'm really disappointing you guys on this because i'm giving i'm giving two people for one mount rushmore <laughs> spot <laughs> so I'm, I'm really going on the duo side right now um yeah that's it for me man I, i'll just do three and i'll leave i'll leave the fourth to the imagination so wh- what you. are your guys brian Thanks. you go that was the biggest garbage list we've ever had. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, that's so interesting. All right. I went a little more mainstream on mine. So I started with, I'm going to go with, my first was going to be either Steven Tyler or Robert Plant. I'm going to go Robert Plant as my first list. Number two, Freddie Mercury. I'm a huge Queen fan. Ooh, I, that's a I good one. Freddie Mercury yeah, was I, a, I can see that. That's a big yeah, deal. Unbelievable lead singer. Number three, mm-hmm. Prince, because this is the third straight podcast. I get to talk about Prince and Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, he, lead, he led the band of the revolution. And then my fourth one, I'm going to go with the female. I'm going to go Stevie Nicks. Ooh. Oh, hey. I saw was- your paper and I wrote Stevie Nicks down thinking that you weren't going to say Stevie Nicks. Uh, I switched it up. I think I go back and forth. I could I could have had twenty, probably like you, Andrew. Is Stevie Nicks? Is, did she do landslide? Yeah. Oh man, this is for you, Daddy. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> um, I got Randy Owen of Alabama. Yeah, come on, mm-hmm. the, that's a good one. I'm done. No, um, I put Freddie Mercury. You know, a big Queen guy. Yep. Um, Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, and then. Uh, Charlie Wilson of the Gap Band. <laughs> Did you know we listened to Gap Band for like two, I don't know, two hours the other day while you were gone? Did you seriously? Yeah. Listen to a lot of uh, Gap Band. What happens when I'm gone? <laughs> I feel like when I'm gone, it's just Avid Brothers all we day long. We did funk for four hours. Man. Started off by what, arguments what about, over Purple Rain and the What about the, the singer of the band? Ooh. See, I thought about going into like, um, like a Steely Dan type thing, yeah. that type of mm-hmm. stuff too. You could go forever. Oh, um, I'm surprised Fogarty wasn't on the list, right? Yeah, that's good. Anyway, I do have a I do have a really quick Prince story. So love it. My, go. <laughs> so, 
So basically, my my friend, this guy named Jason, his, his name is Jay Shy, Jay Shy Robinson. Um, we recorded together like nine years ago when I was when I was really into music, and then I didn't see him for like literally like seven, like, yeah, nine years. I haven't seen him since like basically college, high school time period of my life. And so we recorded together at one point, and then he kind of went off and like became he he manages David Hollister and he he manages all these like kind of R and B artists. Yeah. And Prince hired him. Uh, as a sound engineer on his tour and basically at his house when he recorded the last three years before he passed. So, you know, like, you know, like all the things about like where you can't have certain food and Prince's like plays, he's real competitive, like all that, like all that stuff that people talk about and like, you know, make fun of like Charlie Murphy and and the Chappelle show, all that my friend Jason said is true. Like he was like, dude, I brought McDonald's in there and I almost got kicked out and like, like, (laughs) really serious like funny stories about him but he loved him man he loved prince so much so that's 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 as deep as i can go on prince just because like millennials and stuff but man yeah that's gonna be a new segment of the podcast do you have a prince story i feel like everyone's got one this is i think purple purple rain is a thing man i love that song what is this like our 30th podcast right oh wow we've talked about prince in at least eight (laughs) it just always comes up I thought like I heard somebody was it you talking about Morris Day this morning? <laughs> I thought I heard you. Uh, well, thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, how can people reach out to you, and um, how can people find out more? Yeah, so I, I would just say like my company, you know, Lucid L U C dot ID is the website, which is kind of it's it's a little untraditional from the dot coms, and then me personally, um, you know, I would just say on on LinkedIn, uh, it's it's like. I think it's LinkedIn backslash backslash Andrew Joseph McKinney, but um, really just uh, yeah on LinkedIn or or through Lucid uh, directly. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me on and uh, really had fun. Like I love your podcast. I listened to the one Kristen Luck, you know Kristen yeah. Luck's podcast, and then um, just hearing you guys talk about the industry is like so fun. So keep on keep on keep it on. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Andrew. Talk soon. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great to get to know you. Um, let's close it up. Let's wrap it up. Here's some of the conferences we're going to be at. We got AMA Ignite September 21st here in Cincinnati. We've got Brandemonium coming up uh, in October. Second through 5th. October 2nd through 5th. That was producer Brian. Also in Cincinnati. It's going to be a huge conference. A lot of brands coming to that as well. The CRC at the beginning of October in Orlando, Florida. You can meet Tony Brown at that one as well. And a lot more conferences coming up. I know that um, there's a lot we're not going to. There's a lot we are going to. We'll make sure to get everybody up to date and have speakers and organizers and just get everybody's thoughts as they come up. Until then, we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.